All right, welcome back to Thoughts from the Shade. It's episode 44, and uh, our Philadelphia 76ers off to a pretty hot start in the NBA playoffs, 2-0 series lead over the Raptors. Um, We'll get to that. We'll get to our Philadelphia Phillies, who have certainly underwhelmed in the early going here. Uh, But first, let's bring them in. Bomb, how was the weekend? Fantastic, G. Great to celebrate Easter with everybody. Uh, you know, a great weekend. We kicked it off with a phenomenal Friday. Uh, rolled it into uh, a, a Sixers win on a Saturday, and then, you know, did a little bit of uh, good old fashioned, uh, you know, Christianity celebration there on Sunday. So, uh, no, good. How was your weekend? Yeah, it was good. I mean, we shared uh, we shared around the golf, and and you talk about Easter and spending some QT. With the family, with the loved ones, uh, so, so that was all good. Happy belated Easter uh, to everybody out there that celebrated. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess I got to continue to give your flowers so far in this this early golf season. Um, just to to put it bluntly, you you kicked my ass out there again. What's going on? Well, I guess I could ask that question to you. What is going on? Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, it was a fifty five forty five day. It was going on on the back, but it took a long while for me to figure it out, and it cost me some cash uh, that was headed your way once again. Do you want to give give the listeners an idea of what, what the lead was up to at the turn? Yeah, bomb was up nine through nine. Uh, you know, we, we had a little 5-5-10 five, five, match play, $20 stroke play, and... Uh, I mean, we salvaged a little bit on the back, and by we, I mean I. And uh, but no, it, it was totally hideous. I mean, you're you're dormy at the turn. I think I got it to hole 13, and you closed me out on the overall. But a couple presses out there, keep things interesting, and uh, battled back. I think I won an overall press and and the back nine. But ultimately, you came out in the black, my friend. Well, yeah, you're coming out in the black, but you never come away with as much cash as you want whenever you play G in any type of uh, match play, stroke play, whatever it is, front, back, overall, because, I mean, this guy's like Rick Pitino with the pressing. It's like constant. He's right on the ball. He waits for you to to make a turnover. He waits for that first hole where things get sideways, and then all of a sudden it's on. Like G breaks out the white suit just like Rick Pitino and starts pressing. Um, I love to hear what our listeners think, you know, drop us a comment in the reviews, send us a DM on, on, on Instagram. I mean, what, what is everybody's thoughts? What are your thoughts, G? I mean, what's going through your mind when you're pressing every little thing? I mean, you're pressing the front, you're pressing the back, you're pressing the overall, you're pressing strokes. I mean, I might as well get you like one of those little panini presses with all, all that you're pressing. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean there there were no, there were no stroke presses. We just we just do a little extra money on, on the overall strokes because uh, I've been told in the past I'm a match play guy, which which I I get it. You know I can get hot. You know get a get a par train or a bogey train going, but I'm I'm always good for that eight or that nine or that ten out there. So I get it. But I I mean in ter- in terms of the press like. I'm down seven through seven. I'm down nine through nine. I'm getting my clock cleaned. Like, am I just going to tuck my tail? Like, I think I told you when we were on the golf course, I was like, maybe, maybe I should just go home. Like I I need the action. I need more action. I'm not giving up. I mean, you look at, um, I mean, Jordan speed this weekend, he misses the tap in on Saturday and that almost cost him a golf tournament. And, but he came out on Sunday and he just kept firing and ultimately got the job done. So that's what I do. I'm, I'm out there to play. I'm, I'm not quitting. You keep grinding, you keep chipping away and, and you try to win your money back. And I mean, unlike some of the guys that, that you play golf with outside of me, uh, <laughs> m- most, most folks in my golf circle are, are always open uh, and accepting to presses. And if, if they're on, the losing end early on they're pressing like down to auto press. Like that's a real thing out there. All I'll say is I, I respect the press. I respect the, the concept of the press. I respect the faith that you have in yourself to get it turned around or maybe it's faith that I'll blow up. I don't, it could be either one, maybe both. Um, 
the the thing I have, and you know this, just riding around in the cart with me. Anytime you play with G, if you get a lead on G and he starts pressing this, that, or the other, you just have to wait to get to the clubhouse and get that first beer in your hand before you even have any idea whether or not you're taking cash or giving cash. Because I sit in the cart and I'm like, I have no clue what's going on right now. All I know is the original bets, like I feel pretty good about. Um, but I have no idea when when the uh, the press started, when this started, when that started. So to G's credit, the guy keeps a, a, a hell of a hell of a note sheet there. He's got the card. He's got all the presses, all the bets, adds it all up. I mean, G in a past life, I don't know if you did like accounting, finance, or whatever, man. But you're moving numbers from this ledger to the la- that ledger into the red, into the black. You do a nice job with it. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate it. And I, you know, I'd never. Uh... Never sandbag it on you. You got you got to be honest. Um, but yeah, I mean, th- there's never an ideal time to press uh, when you're in my shoes because you just never know where the ball is really going and, and when you're going to get hot or when you're going to get cold. But at, at Lulu Country Club, I let, I waited on Friday until we got across the street to number eight. The course gets a little bit easier over there. Uh, and it still took me till like number 10, I think, to, to make a par. And uh I think that was a one putt par with the spider from about 15 feet. So it wasn't even a, a GIR, a clean par. We were just out there battling, but good time all around. Uh, we had the God out there. Uh, we had another friend of the pod and yeah, great time. I think we got in the clubhouse by what, seven o'clock and we sat there till like 10 shooting the shit, drinking beers and talking shop. So you, you, you really can't beat it. And, and even if you lose cash, it's worth the price, price of admission over there. Oh yeah, it's it, you know you think about what it costs to go to go anywhere or do anything or go to the movies or go anywhere really. I mean, with everything the way it is inflation wise. So the way I see it is the the, the bet, the press, etc., the golf, the cart, the beers. It's all entertainment, man. Just throw it into one fund, put it on my account at the end of the month, and take it out of my credit card. Yes, sir. And it, it, it's good living, man. And, and you know what? Maybe we'll get to a point this year where. There are no presses because the match is just so tight. You know, I'm I'm working on my game. I'll get there. I haven't had all this off-season play uh, down south and in the Floridas and the Carolinas. So, you know, I'm getting my swings in. I'm getting back up to speed. But maybe we'll get to a day where, where the match is tight and there's no presses. Or maybe we'll get to a day where Bob wants to press. We'll see. I mean, we're going to have to get to a point now where Bob maybe gives you a couple pops. Yeah, we'll we'll have, we'll have to keep our eyes on the gin app, but uh, now like I said, good times always had, but uh, also on the golf front, uh, you know, we we talked about Jordan Spieth and his win at the RBC on Easter, and now they're all talking about how he won last Easter and he won this Easter and next Easter. Do you know what next Easter is? It's Augusta. So good vibes for Jordan Spieth. I don't know if you had anything on that bomb. I was just gonna mention. Uh, I think just just the other day they announced. I don't know if it's TNT or Turner, whoever runs that show. They call the match, um, but we've got a match coming up June first. Little celebrity action, NFL only action. Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers against Baby Goat Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen in a golf match, uh, June first. So I think I'm looking forward to that. It'll be kind of cool to. See no pros out there. There'll probably be plenty of bad shots hit on TV. You know, you feel bad enough when when you hit one in front of your three buddies. Uh, So kind of looking forward to that. I don't know if you had any thoughts. No, none whatsoever. I guess the only thought I have is, is, uh, is Josh Allen going to dress up like, like Phil again, or is that totally off limits now these days? Is Phil, you know, persona non grata? No comment from me on that. I'm just I'm just gonna let that one go. But I I think you know we talked about Tiger. Uh, you know everybody peeping the uh, the Masters sign up sheet uh, six weeks out. If Tiger names Tiger Woods name was on the list, I think Phil Mickelson's name is on the list for the U.S. Open. So he might be back in some way, shape, or form. We'll have to see. Um, but we got to get to it. Uh, it's the most prominent thing happening in this. Should I say great city? I don't even know that I feel that way, but I'll say this great city of ours, um, the Philadelphia 76ers. And I've been, you know, game one, everything went right. And, Bob, I think you texted me before tip Monday night. 
You were looking for a Glenn Rivers Easter egg to be laid at the Wells Fargo Center, and it didn't happen. Everything went really well and right. Again, for the Sixers, they're taking a 2-0 lead, so I, I was really excited to get on the horn with you tonight because we've both taken our shots at the Sixers, and, and it is only two games and it's early, but I'm just really curious to hear how you're going to spin you know, this early start for the Sixers uh, and their fans. You see the, uh, the reels from NBC Philly of all the Sixers and four and get the brooms out and the finals and it's our year, and then we're reposting the cuz screaming at 10 a.m. every morning. Play the song. So everybody's fired up. And uh, I just want to know, Bob, like, are you sold? How you feeling? What do you think so far? I mean, the story of the series is Maxi. That's that's the bottom line. Um, and beat, obviously, at a big game, game two. Um, but they held serve on home court. I mean, they still got to break out the passports, head north. You know, Matisse, the shot blocker on and off the court, isn't going to be there. Um, I'm not convinced until the series is over. You know, this reminds me a lot of 2003. Orlando Magic, Detroit Pistons. Uh, Tracy McGrady, some of you may recall, MVP level, MVP caliber guy leading the team. They got up big on the Pistons in 03, up 3-1. Uh, McGrady told the media after game four, it felt, quote, good to get to the second round, something he had never accomplished. Yikes. Uh, The Pistons won game five by 31, game six and seven by 15 points apiece. They won the series in seven. Who was the head coach of that team? Larry Brown. Glenn Rivers. Glenn Rivers. Glenn Rivers. It happened again in 2015, second round of the playoffs. He led that Clippers team with, do we have to call it a prime Chris Paul, Blake Griffin? 3-1 lead, they blow it to the to the Rockets. Um, and then, uh, you know, did it again. So, you know, did it, did it, did, did it again here with, uh, I guess it was the Clippers, right? So he's lost six series being up 3-2. He's lost three series being up 3-1. And I'm supposed to believe that after two wins in South Philadelphia, where Tyrese Maxey did what? What did he shoot, like 80%? It's got to be up there. I'm supposed to believe that after two wins in Philadelphia, where a guy has a career night, I think he was the only player only player in Sixers history, or was it NBA history? 38 points with what? Two turnovers, three turnovers, whatever it was. I'm supposed to believe that this is going to continue to happen? Um, I don't believe it. Uh, they're playing well. I'll give them their credit. I'm not going to be a hater. What I will say, and I'd like to get your opinion on this, I did see a bad omen in game two. Early on in that game, Embiid is getting uh, into a Kirk Cuffle on the court. Maybe five minutes later, he comes down, he gets slammed to the ground. Now, you could argue he slipped. I I didn't once see any one of his role-playing teammates Tobias Harris, Danny Green, any of these guys come in there and defend their man. I mean, the guy gets knocked to the ground. Why are you not throwing elbows or fists or anything? Like nobody's even mixing it up to protect this guy. Uh, I think it's a, a total risk when your best player is the biggest player and your best player is the only guy that's willing to play the role of enforcer. Yeah, well, he's got he's got the zebras on his side in this series, and I'm not saying that's why the Sixers are up or anything. I think the officiating, especially in Game Two, was atrocious all around. Every time somebody went up for a goddamn layup, the whistle's blowing. Uh, and I get I get it with Embiid, he's so so goddamn big and tough to guard that he does get fouled a lot. But it just seemed like a quick whistle Monday night. Um, but quickly, you were saying Doc Rivers was the coach, and I hate calling him Doc, but I did it again. He was the coach of the Orlando Magic, that 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 T Mac Magic team. Yeah, Magic, and then he did it in um, fifteen with the did Clippers. It in fifteen with the Clippers, and then he did it. He did it again with the Clippers. So I guess it was nineteen or twenty. I'm just yeah, checking. I'm just checking myself on the Larry Brown because because you said 03 was the Pistons. I mean Larry Brown was probably still with the Sixers at that time. But oh, I think sorry, he, sorry. Uh, he went on with the Pistons later, didn't he? I was thinking you were talking about Larry leading the Magic. Yeah, he went on. 
Did he win? He must have won the title with that that uh, that Pistons team with like Rip Hamilton and Billups, uh, Chauncey and Billups, and the Wallace. Yep, yep, yeah. So that, that's where I was there. I'm just uh, covering my own ass, so I don't sound like a buffoon on here. Uh, not not I that totally, I don't do that. That's on me. I totally missed what you were saying there. No, all good. I, I do it every week anyway. But um, yeah, I mean, you talk about Maxi, like. I feel like that's one guy that like is really hard to get on uh, in any way, shape or form. Just his level of play, his attitude on the court, the way he carries himself. Uh, I mentioned it on the Instagram story reacting to game one. Like they had ESPN out there with the audacity to ask him a question about being the answer. Like, you know, everybody knows who the answer is in this town. It's one guy. It'll only ever be one guy. And all Max, he said was like, look, I, I just want to work hard, do my job, and help my team win. And you got to love that. He's always smiling. Obviously plays the game a million miles an hour, plays the right way. Um, and even like earlier in the year, I think the Cuz had him on. And I remember I remember hearing him on there. And he talked about his progress in his game this season. And it's all about learning from mistakes and overcoming adversity. And I could really only think of one guy uh, that, that used to play for the Sixers that was the total opposite of that in Ben Simmons. So it's just been a treat to watch Maxie um, thus far. But like you said, the Sixers are playing well. You got to give them their credit. Um, but I, I'm with you. I, I'll still be skeptical. I mean, I, I don't want to say the series is in the bag. It's close. Um, the Raptors have certainly looked dejected at times throughout the first two games. Obviously, when Embiid hit that turnaround three on the baseline last night, and you got Thad Young and Van Vliet sitting there rolling their eyes and shaking their heads like they're kind of dejected. Um, but they, like you said, they got to go on the road. And in a seven-game series, whether it's hockey, baseball, uh, basketball here, you know, you know the old saying goes, you're never in trouble until you lose on home court. And the Toronto Raptors haven't lost yet on home court. So it's going to be a hostile environment. They're going to be down. Uh, I mean, he's not a starter in this series and, and maybe not going forward. But they're down – uh, a significant role player in Matisse Thibel. Uh, and it's going to be a raucous environment. I don't know if Drake's going to be courtside, you know, flicking his chain or, you know, crying and yelling at Embiid or Harden. We'll see what happens. But, um, yeah, game three tomorrow night, Wednesday night, I think the Sixers are a two-point favorite. And we'll see what happens. It'll be, uh, it'll be a tough game. But I, I just don't know what to make of the Raptors. Like, they're banged up. Gary Trent's sick. Scotty Barnes has a bad ankle. Thaddeus Young has a bad thumb. Like, this team's almost like the walking dead out there. So, so yeah, it's all good and well. They're playing well. But it's only going to get tougher from here should they make it through this round. Yeah, and obviously I was on I was on Toronto early in the, uh, you know, before the, the series started. The Sixers could well win this series going away. But... The thing that stood out to me watching these games is the Sixers don't have a ton of depth. The Raptors apparently have no depth. The minute they run into a team that has, you know, eight or nine guys that can play, um, Sixers might be in trouble. Yeah, it, it, it'll be different. It'll, there'll be new challenges along the way should they get through the series, which obviously it's looking like they will. Not to write it in the sand yet or anything, but. Don't McGrady it, G. Are you going to McGrady it? No. Oh, God. It feels no. good to go on to the next round. No, no. I mean, I know Ben is gone and, you know, all, all the nonsense with him and all the blown leads. He was kind of a big part in all that. And he's gone. But, uh, no, I mean, we said it when, when they got Harden. Like, you got to make the finals. It's finals or bust for me to, to call this a success this year. And,. One thing I kind of didn't realize and that it's really shaping up for the Sixers if they can continue to play well, uh, the NBA does not reseed after each round. So does, it, should the Sixers advance, they'll get the winner of Miami and Atlanta, which will most likely be the Heat. I mean, they're the one seed, but it's not Milwaukee. It's not the defending champs, and it's not Brooklyn or Boston. So... For the Sixers to make the NBA Finals, they're only going to have to face one of Milwaukee, Boston, or Brooklyn. So, like, you you can't really 
it can't really be set up much better for them. Not not to look too far ahead. Uh, it was just something that I kind of realized recently. Well, let's let's assume that the one team that they get is Brooklyn. Does it happen? Does I mean, does what happen? Do, do they get swept? Do, do they get run out of their own building by like 50 points in the third quarter? That's not what I'm asking. Do the Sixers make the finals? Do they beat them? Nope. Is that what you're asking? Oh, does Ben Simmons play? No, Ben Simmons ain't playing. Does the prodigal son come in and lock down Maxie and Harden? What would happen? That That is like worst case scenario if you're like a huge Sixers fan. That that would be tough. I don't think the guy has the has the stones or the work at like it's clear he's a mental midget. But if this was just all a long con and he just waits until like the Eastern Conference Finals or whatever it is and just suits up in Philly and just goes out there and like plays the game of his life, like just drives to the hoop, slams balls that like plays the game that like he needs you know, should should have been playing the entire time. I'll tell you what I do, G. I tip the cap. I tip the cap, and I say, you know what? Good for you, Ben. You showed those fans. You you really would tip the cap? I, I guess you're saying he showed the fans, but still, the guy's an asshole. I don't think he's got the stones to do that. No. Oh, God, no. But, this, but, this, is, this is really hypothetical. What would the story be if it happened? Like, that would be, like, the leading thing. Is, ben Simmons returned tonight and held Tyrese Maxey to eight points or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, it, it, would be, it would be terrible. And, you know, ESPN and all the national pundits would rub it in the face of the Philly, Philly fans and, and Philly media and whatnot. But, I mean, just look – again, looking back at the first two games, like, you look at game one, they had, what, three turnovers. They shot 50% from three. I think last night they were, like, 48% from three. Granted, they turned the ball over a little bit more. I think it was around 12 or 13 times. Um, we had Danny Green, like, he he shot the lights out Monday night. Tobias Harris has shot the lights out from two games. Uh, I mean, against – against like you mentioned, the teams with more depth, the teams with, with more talent um, – you know, that have an equivalent talent level to the Sixers. I mean, can you, is this stuff that you can really count on? Because that that's like kind of where I'm at right now. Like they're playing really, really well. They've looked really good and you, you got to give them the credit. But there's clearly a talent disparity between them and the Raptors and they're going to play Miami or Brooklyn or Boston or whoever, whatever happens down the road. And, and there's, they're going to have five guys on the floor that, that are, almost just as good as the Sixers. And, and at least their role players should be able to stick like a Danny Green or a Tobias. And can you count on Tobias for 25 or 20 points or Danny Green to chip in with 12 or 15? Like, you're you're going to need it. You're going to need it. I just don't know that you can count on it. So I'm excited, um, but I'm, ne- I'm never, I will never, ever let this team fool me. It ain't over till it's over. Exactly. And I think you, you just hit on something that's like, in my opinion, one of the Achilles heels of Philadelphia sports fans. And, and I'll talk about the Sixers fans for a moment and then tie it into the Phillies. Philadelphia fans, for some reason, believe that like every player that they have on the roster is going to have like an above average year or a bounce back year or like six, the Sixers in general, they think that Sixers fans in general, they think that for the remainder of this playoff series, they're going to get 38 point maxi coupled with MVP, Joel cup coupled with 2016, James Harden, you know, coupled with Tobias Harris pre-contract. Like everybody looks at things through such rose colored glasses. And if we talk a little bit about the Philadelphia Phillies and the start they're off to, it seems like once they assembled this team, Everybody just assumed it was uh, going to be a coronation tour. You know, they have a Cy Young pitcher in Zach Wheeler. Well, his velo's down. He he doesn't look like he's ready to go. I don't know if it's due to spring training, injury, or otherwise. Aaron Nola's going to return to form and be a great two. Kyle Gibson, who didn't do anything until he was 29, is going to be a great three. Ranger Suarez, who was a crafty lefty, he's going to have a sub-3 ERA again. Schwarber last year, yeah, he had 30 plus home runs, 
wouldn't you know it, he hit 15 home runs in 17 games uh, during the month of June. So the guy's a streaky guy. Castellanos, another guy, late bloomer. Harper, MVP season. It just seems to be a theme with these Philadelphia fans um, where everybody just thinks we're going to, oh, because we signed these guys or because these guys showed a flash, this is what we're going to get moving forward. And it's going to, you know, it'll translate into a, a deep playoff run or a championship. And it never happens. It's funny you say that because just seeing my dad over the weekend, like we're talking Phillies like briefly. And he's like, it doesn't matter who we get in this town, who we draft, who we trade for, who we throw the bag at. It doesn't matter. It never works. And that's like kind of the point that you just made. And like, that was all the talk, all the hype. I mean, you still hear the ads on the radio or whatever you're listening to or on social media, you know, that, that this team's going to hit so many dingers, put $5 on Bryce Harper to hit a homer. And, and you know, like, it's just all, all you've heard is it's going to be hitting season. And, oh, it's not hitting season yet. It was a short spring training. They'll get called up. And, you know, you talked about broadcasting last week. I mean, I think I heard Ruben Amaro after one of the games where they got shut out or put up one run, and he's on there saying, well, you know, it, it's a long season, and you know, you're going to go through times where you have slumps, but you have these guys, you, you brought them in, you paid them all this money, and they're here to hit, and they're going to do it. it just, it's just the ebbs and flows of a baseball season. I mean, I I don't dis I don't wholly disagree, but let's let's look back at the last Phillies team that did anything, right? That team from we'll call it 07, 08, They won it. Oh nine, they they won the pennant. Uh, t- 10, 10 and eleven, they were still good, right? One of the guys who was a who was a star on that team who put up big, big numbers, Castellano t- Castellanos-type numbers, if not better, was uh, m- one of my favorite players, Jason Wirth. So here's a guy who came up in the Orioles organization. He goes to Toronto in the early 2000s, uh, goes to L.A., um, and ends up screwing up his wrist, has to undergo multiple surgeries during 05 and 06, uh, they basically repair repair the injuries. They removed a, a, a bursa in his knee as well. Um, and, and they take a flyer on that guy in December of 2006. The, Phil, the Phillies do. They sign him to a one-year, $850,000 contract, couple incentives, uh, et cetera, right? Um, now, now it, t- it took him a while, but uh, he became an everyday presence in right field by September of that year. Uh, and help them help lead them to the playoffs, their first division title in uh, 14 years. Uh, and then in 09, they signed him to a, a, a two-year, 10 million extent, uh, extension, right? Because uh, Burrow walks. But instead, what we do now, so there's a guy you took a flyer on who has talent. Maybe you can catch lightning in a bottle with him if he stays healthy. And he was a young guy. He's not like the guys we, we generally go out and get that can't stay healthy, the old guys, right? Young guy, yeah. maybe ran into some bad luck. Let's take a flyer on him. If he hits 80% of what we think he's going to be, he'll be, a, he'll be a player for us, and we'll get him on the cheap. Instead, we all think, as Philadelphia fans, like, no, we need to go sign this guy or sign that guy or this guy or that guy. Uh, because they had a career year last year in a town you couldn't even pick out on a map. And that's the way that our fan base operates. No, it's 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 so true. And... Like, I know we said a few episodes back before the season, like, good on Middleton for spending the cash and everything, but there's more than one way to skin a cat. And also, like, just because he did it doesn't mean that it's going to translate to immediate success. And, you know, back to the point I was making before, it's like we heard about dinger season and hitting season, and this team's going to mash so many homers, and they play at Citizens Bank Park, they're going to hit so many home runs. And we're not even like two full weeks into the season and we're making excuses. Oh, it was a, it was a short spring training. Uh, you know, it's a long season that they go through slumps and, and yeah, that, that latter part is true, but like just because we have these big names in the lineup, I don't feel any differently about this team early in this season as, as, as I do 
previous seasons. Like it just feels like more of the same. And you had T Mac after like the first series win against the athletics. He's on there. There's a different feel in South Philadelphia. I mean, we're three games in, pal. Yeah, they they added they added a new restaurant out out in uh, Ashburn Alley. That's the different feeling he's on. Yeah, but no, I mean, the the, the biggest highlights so far this season have been you know picture day when they got Real Muto and Harper and Castellanos and Schwarber and, and Hoskins and they they all held their bats and walked through the outfield and got in front of the hitting cage and snapped a few pictures on a sunny day at CBP. So. It's just more of the same. Um, I don't know. Like it's 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 not a watch for me right now with the Sixers playoffs and hockey playoffs coming up. Like it's just not it's not a watch when you start four and seven uh, after everything that's going on. I'm watching them just to you know to to keep a pulse on them and and see how this turns. I mean, I think I think they'll get it turned around. I think you know not that I think Girardi is a great manager. Uh, a great tactician, anything like that. But, you know, you could argue it's hard not to win a World Series with with the payroll of that 2009 Yankees team and the guys that were on that team. But think about that team. They had a bunch of veterans, highly paid, guys who put up numbers before. Like, is he able to kind of batten down the hatch, so to speak? Let's get through this first month, month and a half. Maybe Ammoniac comes back and, and lights a bit of a spark for you. Um but but you're right. I mean, some concerning signs early. Again, long season. It's a marathon. The th- the thing I'll I'll, I'll add and, and maybe just just close on in terms of just this this start. It seems to me because because they were talking about hitting season, and oh we're gonna win a lot of games t- ten nine and and eight seven and this and that. They're losing a lot of games nine one, and ten one, and eight one. And you can't help but wonder. And we all know hitting is contagious. I, I fully agree with that. But it doesn't do us any good to score 12 one game and two the next. I'd rather see, you know, six and eight, right? Um, So I I don't know if it's just the way this lineup is constructed. I don't know if it's because the the bats, we saw Real Muto hitting lead off a bit, which I don't hate. I think I'd almost rather see him in the two hole because he can shoot shoot a ball the other way. But like we talked about on previous episodes, they don't have a guy at the top of the order. They don't have a guy that 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 can that can get on base and do things. It's it's a little bit of an odd build the way this roster is constructed. Yeah, and I mean, I'll probably I'll probably eat crow at some point this year when the bats are are popping. Like yeah, when it's ninety degrees and the ball's flying out of that bandbox, sure. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, they'll get hot, but I, I look at the rotation. You don't know what's going to happen with Wheeler. Uh, Aaron Nola is what he is at this point. You, you get five or six innings, and then you get to the sixth or the seventh, and it's a four-run blow-up. And then what do you have behind him? So even if the bats do get going, they, they've they had the, the hiccups on defense, um, and, and the pitching is still a concern. Um, but if they could bring in one arm, they, they might want to look – uh, to a young fellow that was in the stands last week uh, who got into an altercation with a New York Mets fan. And I didn't break down the video too closely or too many times, but I, it looked to me like the Mets fan was, was taking video uh, of the Phillies fans or this specific Phillies fan uh, because the Mets had won. And I, th- I think the game was toward the end. Um, but the young Phillies fan grab, grabbed this guy's phone threw it into the crowd and made his way out of his seat and, and up the steps out of his section. So maybe we could look, look to him uh, as a strong arm to bring into the system. Yeah. Either, either him or I'd bring in the guy, maybe on the, the tele bring him in for the television broadcast, the guy doing uh, yelling at the Mets fan after the, 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 uh, the throw of the phone. Did, did you hear that one? G? There were a couple different camera angles. Yeah, I, I did stick around for that one, and I, I have it. I think I have it. I'll get it in the episode when we're done. I'll put it in here for the people because that, that might have to be the first ever thoughts from the shade sound drop that sticks around. Actually, I think the entire stadium's laughing at you, dickhead. Yo, call me when you get your phone. 
I, I I don't know what else to say other than to say that I laughed harder at that guy yelling than than the than the video itself. Yeah, that was the best part for sure. Um, but any any thoughts on the toss? I mean, potential bone to pick of the week, or or, or is it acceptable? If somebody's waving the phone in your face. I mean, what do you think? Hey, look, I mean, no harm, no foul. I think the guy got his phone back, right? I mean, it's not like he threw it on the the sidewalk and stomped on it. It looks like he lightly tossed it down on a, a beautiful turf. Some nice um, sod. Some nice sod. Uh, you know, probably probably a softer landing than, uh, you know, than falling in your, in your kitchen. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think both parties are in the wrong. Uh, I think anytime somebody jams a phone in your face, you know, you, you potentially, depending upon the circumstances, have the have the ability to get physical. I think a phone in the face is is an invasion of uh, privacy. And uh, I think the way that the kid handled it, you know, he chucked the phone. Hey, I mean, no harm, no foul. I think, you know, it didn't get physical. The thing I had a problem with was the bozo holding the guy back after he chucked the phone and then attempted to vacate the scene. Did you notice that? There was like, it, it appeared to be a Phillies fan, not like security, putting the guy in a headlock. Like, what are we doing here, pal? I, I couldn't tell what what kind of fan it was. I don't know if that he was wearing any uh, apparel of either team. But yeah, like, you don't need to keep the kid around. That's only going to escalate things. Like, if he just wants to do yeah. a little hit and run and toss the phone, like, let the Mets fan figure out how to get his phone back and, and everybody couldn't be gone. It was the most bizarre thing. Like, what what, what are we going to charge the guy with? Yeah, was was he trying to do like a citizen's arrest? I, I I don't know. And then the best part is like that guy's holding the guy, and then you got like a, a poor little old lady who's doing it to like supplement her social security income with inflation at eight and a half percent, walking down the aisle in a yellow jacket. You know those yellow Phillies Citizens Bank Park jackets. Yeah. Like all she thought she was getting was like, oh, I work in the lower bowl, 80, 81 games, no problem at all. Be able to supplement my income and be able to pay for my insulin this year. And instead, she's she's barreling down there, like getting in the middle of uh, of a Mets fan and a Phillies fan. It isn't fair to her. All because Paul Blart was trying to make a citizen's arrest on a kid that tossed a phone onto the field. That's exactly right. Unbelievable. Paul Blart. Uh, I mean, from behind, it kind of, kind of had the shape a little bit. Um, but I think you do have a bone to pick this week. Uh, in regard to the Phillies, a little bit of a follow-up on, on our broadcasting comments last week. Uh, and as always, this Bone to Pick of the Week is brought to you by Shamrock Sun, our wonderful sponsors at Shamrock Sun, your big-ass bottle of sunscreen delivered by subscription to your door. Uh, check them out at shamrocksun.com. They're on Instagram. They're now available on Amazon as well. So check them out there. Giant ass bottle of sunscreen. I got one. You got one. We're geared up for spring golf for summers down the shore. We're good to go. All thanks to Shamrock Sun. Now, bomb your bone to pick of the week. Bomb's bone to pick of the week is a subtlety, uh, a, a subtle difference than last week, uh, or I should say two weeks ago. Last week was was the little twerp doing the gritty. Two weeks ago was the was the 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 broadcast and. Uh, T Mac and and Crocker and, and and the idea that they can name a, an opposing play as the play of the game in the second inning. Uh, this week's bone to pick of the week is actually the difference, the delta, if you will, between the television broadcast and the radio broadcast. And the reason I bring this up was I was doing some driving on Easter Day, uh, you know, going around making the the, the visits, if you will. And I had the opportunity to listen in to the radio broadcast for the first time in in a while. Uh, Certainly the first time this year. And who's on the call? Fransky and Phillies reliever legend Chad Durbin. Okay. Wasn't really sure what to expect with Chad Durbin, but I'm listening in. And, you know, for the amount of nonsense that the television guys talk about, I really enjoyed what Durbin and Fransky were talking about during a basically a blowout game on Sunday between the Marlins and the Phillies. They talked a lot about 
the Phillies record at, at the Marlins Stadium. They talked quite a bit about the roof. Uh, it's it's a, it got a retractable roof, but for some reason the roof is always closed. It makes sense in the summer when there's all these storms and it's hot, but it doesn't make sense here in uh, in April uh, when it's 81 out and sunny. Um, they talked uh, quite a bit about a pitcher who comes out there a year after Tommy John. He's out there pitching, and Chad Durbin is now giving his insight into what it's like undergoing Tommy John. Uh, the fact that you give up a bases clearing double, it's yeah, you want to go out there and do your job, but you don't feel as down about it because you're you're just you're, you're feeling good about being back out there and being being able to compete. More about the mindset uh, of an athlete, right? And then you come back, you you come home, you flip on the TV, and it's like uh, funnel cake and and French fry hour with T Mac and Cruck. It's unbelievable. So. Yeah, kind of a circuitous bone to pick of the week. I'm giving my props and my flowers to Fransky and Chad Durbin. Thought they did a nice job. But the bone to pick is that the delta between the television and the radio is so big. It's so embarrassing. I don't even know how the Phillies can fix it at this point. Yeah, I mean, you called for it previously. I don't know what the answer is. I've always enjoyed Fransky. Uh, you know, have fond memories. I think we talked before sitting on the beach driving around windows down sun's out it's all good and uh that's kind of the voice you relate to with that whereas the tv it's it's t-mac and Mako and Mako and the bull you know bulls pub you know greg lazinski or whatever the hell roast pork sandwich he's got out in center field so the schmitter yeah the, you got the schmitter uh we, we got a good our good buddy critty he loves the schmitter every, every time he's at the phillies game oh i gotta go get a schmitter Kid's just slopping on a Schmitter with mayo on his face for, for nine innings in the steaming hot sun. Now, is that a result of T-Mac? Like, do you think, let me ask you this, do you think maybe T-Mac is getting a percentage of, like, the sales of these specialty sandwiches where he just hocks the shit out of them on the broadcast so that way when the fans come down to the stadium, guys like Critty just smash two Schmitters? He's getting a cut. He's looking for a bag. You might be onto something. I don't know, man. <laughs> I'd believe it. Um, but no, I, I like the bone to pick of the week. It's not, it's not as aggressive, might not be as funny, but I think, I think it's rational and, and I think it hits home and I think it's, it's a really fair point. Um, but anything else on the fills at this point, Bob? Nothing. Let's see how this week goes. Let's, let's see how they, uh, round out the, the, the end of, of April here. If they can get the 500 by the end of the month, you no know, worries, no, no worries at all. Water under the bridge. Hey, let, let's, let's start. Turning it around in May. All right, let's do it. Um, I know we're kind of cruising along here, but I just want to throw in this report that surfaced, I believe, Monday. Uh, I think it originated from Anthony Sanfilippo with Crossing Broad. He covers the Flyers for Crossing Broad. And the headline is Flyers Trainers Sue Comcast Others After Cancer Diagnosis allegedly resulting from Zamboni chemicals in Voorhees practice facility. Um, so I went on to read the article. You can read it on Crossing Broad. Um, you know, I think it's being covered elsewhere now that, that the news is broke. But I believe it's Jim McCrossin, who is a longtime trainer of the Flyers, bald guy. I think you'd recognize him. You know, he's always the guy trotting on the ice when somebody goes down. Uh, and this other fellow, Sal Rafa. Both diagnosed uh, with a nearly identical and incurable blood disease and or cancer a few months apart in the spring and summer of 21. Uh, goes on to say that they believe it was a result uh, of like a Zamboni being left idle, you know, running idly in, uh, in the Voorhees practice facility and that the building wasn't ventilated correctly. And that they, you know, the room that they work in is right next to that. Uh, I don't want to paraphrase or get anything wrong, but I believe that's the gist. Um, honestly, super unfortunate. You hate, hate to hear that happening for anybody. Um, you know, I'm not a, not a scientist or a doctor, uh, or know anything about things traveling through air despite going through uh, COVID for the last two years. Um, but, but just really tough to see. And you know, when just when you thought things couldn't get any any worse for this organization, like this kind of bombshell gets dropped on the Flyers and Comcast Spectacor and everybody, like 
it's just unbelievable. Like, I don't mean to make light of the situation, but like, it's just kind of another thing that makes you think like they need to sell this team and just get it the hell out of town. Well, hopefully it doesn't take two, (laughs) two employees with like a terminal illness to make that happen. Um, yeah, I mean, as somebody with more of a scientific background, I'll just say like, it sounds like blood cancer, right? Like leukemia or lymphoma. Is that what, is that what they're saying? G? I don't know that I saw either of those words listed. Um, and I'm not going to try to dig up and pronounce what was listed, but go ahead on and give, uh, give your inference with, with no, the, the weak I'll ass just, information I gave. I'll just say like, like everybody kind of knows, right. Um, a lot of cancer has to do with uh, genetics. You know, you think about females and breast cancer and uh, the different uh, mutations on a, a couple different genes. But man, you know, and I'm I'm not an expert in oncology by any means, but like leukemias and blood cancer, things like that, like two different people getting it around the same time, like that would really, I would really strongly believe that that's, there's an environmental link there, maybe a genetic predisposition. But if you're exposed to something on on a daily basis, um, that is, uh, you know, carcinogenic, uh, that's what they said. Carcinogens from the Zamboni. Sorry to cut you off. No, I was just going to say the fact that it showed up when you look at like that temporal association, like those guys work there, you know, kind of the same length and they both had those cancers show up around the same time is really, really bizarre. And there, there has to be at least some link to something. Maybe they live in the same development and, 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 you know, it was built on a, a wasteland or something, but absent information like that this is not good for the philadelphia flyers it's not good for uh, comcast i really feel for the guys in, involved it's you wouldn't wish that on your worst enemy and based on the the suit and the information that came out about the ventilation uh, where those guys were in proximity to the zamboni while it was idling really disturbing stuff now well said uh totally agree and I believe the Flyers came out and said that there was no merit to the suit. Um, in an official statement, I don't think that that came from anybody in particular or like, you know, in in, in the press or anything. But yeah, no, really unfortunate stuff. Uh, all the best to, to Jimmy McCrossin and, and Sal Rafa. Um, but just figured I'd br- bring the report to light. Never any good news surrounding this godforsaken franchise. Well, think think about uh, all the guys with, uh, you know, brain cancer or, or, or uh, some sort of, uh, you know, neuroblastoma, whatever it was with uh, the, the Phillies and, and standing out there on that turf, baking 81 games every day out there hours before with uh, taking BP, getting warmed up. I mean, uh, they saw a cluster there, statistically significant increase in the number of brain cancers in Phillies baseball players compared to age adjusted risk for guys of the same, uh, uh, race and age, right. Age adjusted. Yeah. I'd be interested to see what that, what that looks like with, with, with these guys. When you look at age adjusted risk across maybe a population and say, what are, what are the odds that two guys who work at the same joint are coming down with the same thing? Um, why isn't it showing up in players, right? You'd imagine they're spending a similar amount of time, Granted, their runway, their careers are, are shorter than these guys, right? These guys started in the early 2000s. Yep. Yeah, I, th- I think McCrossin, they said, is at like 20-something years, and Ralph is at like 15 or 16. Yeah, so maybe team. I'd be interested to see if they're, you know, I hate to say it, but like a guy like 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 Giroux, who's been there a long time, if I was him, I'd be getting a full, you know, full blood work, full panel, everything done. Look for any abnormalities. Um, I, I don't know the impact of kind of carcinogens in the air on bone, but if I'm Oscar Lindblom, I'm also looking around being like, WTF is going on here. Dr. Bob's on the case. Hopefully the you know the guys will get checked out 
that that aren't sick yet and uh nobody else gets sick and that the two trainers make a make a speedy recovery so just figured i'd bring it to light interesting story and we'll see how it unfolds but i don't think i have anything else to get to tonight bomb to you no way to close on a high note there jay that was that was good work out of you but important information we have to relay to the people we got to hold comcast uh, accountable um but no uh yeah th- thanks for your time tonight jay good work Let, let's close on a high note um obviously next week we are going to continue to cover the Sixers Raptors series. Who knows? It might be over by then. We might have the brooms out. Um, but we're also going to get back into football mode. And we are going to talk Eagles draft. Uh, I'm not going to spoil the guest, but we are bringing in a guest who's got a wealth of knowledge in the field on the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, on the draft prospects. Uh, we'll be talking to him later this week and popping it into episode 45 so look for a special eagles draft preview uh next week on thoughts from the shade so there's your high note bomb and uh let's also say thanks to menard premium detailing the night our other sponsor uh the premier auto detail service in bucks county uh they're on youtube they're on facebook they're on instagram uh you can find them at menard premium detailing.com if you want to get your car looking spiffy uh for this warm weather that I thought we had, and now it's gone, but it's hopefully coming back for the weekend. We'll see, but and shout can, out to Menard Premium just say, Detailing Jay, as Can well. I just say, it's it's going to heat up here. we got spring come, spring's here, summer's coming. Protect your car. Go get it ceramic coated. Get it cleaned over there at Menard. Protect your skin. Throw your sunscreen on. And subscribe to this podcast. Wherever you listen, leave a review, leave a rating, Have a great fucking week. We'll talk to you next week.